Well, we're halfway through our five-week series on identity theft. Our first week, we talked about being pickpocketed by the past. Pastor Mark talked about how often the failures and the things in our past can take hold of our future and cripple us. But Jesus came to redeem not only us today, but our past and our future, and that we are people in him that have an identity through his forgiveness. Last week, we talked about being hacked by hypocrisy, how hypocrisy is truly in all of us, and that we need to be careful in our words and in our actions to remember to be humble and sincere in the things that we do, and our Lord can give us that strength through his word and through his gifts. And today we're going to talk about a subject entitled Mugged by the Mirror. I'm sure you've heard these words before. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? We know that story, the story of Snow White. The story of a queen who was obsessed with beauty, so much so that she had to be the only one in the land that the mirror could tell was the most beautiful. But in truth, we knew that her heart was evil. And she was contrasted against the beautiful Snow White who had that beauty of her own, but whose heart was pure and kind. And as much as we might admire Snow White's heart in all of that story, the truth is that in our world, we too want the mirror to tell us that we look good. You know, we spend over $100 billion a year in this country on beauty, on hair, on dieting, on surgery, all that we might look good. Why is that? Why do we do this? Part of the reason is because we value people by their looks. We put them in categories in our mind by how they appear to us on how beautiful. And we even believe the lie that someone beautiful must truly be good. You know, I used to do an experiment with my confirmation classes. It was an experiment on people's looks, on things that we saw, on judging people. I would get one kid before the class started to agree to let me put a little spot on their shirt of something that was washable and not to say anything about it, to just sit through the class until we got to the end. At the end of the class, then I would ask the other kids, did you notice anything about John? on his shirt, and they would all said, sure, yeah, we saw the spot on him. Well, what were your thoughts on that? Well, somebody would say, I thought he was kind of messy, maybe a little sloppy, that he was lazy, or that he was kind of a loser to wear a shirt that had a spot on it like that. I asked John, what would you think about yourself having that spot? What went through your head? He said, you know, I was really self-conscious that everybody was looking at me and judging me. You know, isn't that the truth in our world? We look at people, we categorize them, we judge them, and we are mugged by the mirror. Now, I'm not saying that we should live like slobs and not care. What I'm saying is there's a difference between caring about our appearance and being obsessed with our appearance. And we truly are obsessed with it in our country and in our culture. Did you know, ladies, that the average American woman 
Her height is five foot three, and the average weight is 152 pounds. Contrast that against what you see in advertising and on TV of the average model who is five foot nine inches tall and only weighs 109 pounds. 0.005% of our population looks like those people that we see on TV. It is not who we are. Why do we care? They're not even real. Why are we so obsessed with how we look and how we measure up in that mirror? You know, this isn't going unanswered in our day and our age. In fact, it was announced by a major drugstore chain, CVS, that they will stop enhancing pictures on their beauty products from now on. They won't be retouched and eye colors changed and blemishes removed. They said this in a statement. We want our beauty aisle to be a place where our customers can always come to feel good, while representing the authenticity and diversity of the communities that we serve. We should laud them for finally taking some steps to not be so obsessed with what we see in the mirror. But why is it so important to us? Well, part of it, I think, is just the fact that all of us are insecure in our looks of how we measure up And we equate often attractiveness and looking good with being loved and that somebody wants us. How sad that is when we hear those words today from the scripture and we need to remember in our lives that there is somebody who does want us and does love us. Hear those words again from Psalm 139 as they were read. Verse 13 says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. This is thousands and thousands of years ago that the writer of this psalm is writing before microscopes ever could see the inner workings of our body. And yet he used the word knit like a tapestry, knit as we know muscles that are knit together and interwoven and stitched to bones and some above and some underneath, a work of skill and a work of art. And yet he describes this is how God created us, his people, involved in how we came out. He goes on to say, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You know, our creation in the womb to ancient Israel was one of God's mysteries. Where did we come from? Where were our origins? How were we put together with a living soul that God created? But God points out in this scripture to us, we were not just a simple biological result in the womb, but we have God's own handprint on us as he formed us, as he saw us, as he made us. The writer goes on to say, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. From beginning to end of our lives, our God 
does not abandon us. He looks on us, not in a mirror, but as his unique creation, created by him for a purpose, created by him, woven together in a master tapestry. You know, so often we are mugged, our identity Our value becomes such a fragile image in that mirror that we get wrapped up in our looks and we forget all those words, how involved our God is with us, how much he loves us and how much he values us. That word, value, I think we need to look at that for a moment. The definition of value is this, the regard that something is deserving, important, or of worth. The regard that something is deserving, important, or of worth. I love those words that something is. It's intrinsic. It's part of who we are created by our God. We have value because we are made that way in his image. And if we are people who allow the mirror to create our value apart from our Savior and Redeemer, then the fragile value we have in that mirror will easily fall apart and we will find ourselves crushed. You know, I'm told that in Facebook now, the idea is that you filter and you retouch your profile picture before you put it up because you want it to look the best. Maybe if I asked you that, you would tell me that. Well, you know, you want people to see you in the best light. Because if you don't, people won't value you? Is that what we're afraid of? Is that why we do that? Is that why we make sure the image we put up isn't the everyday image that most people see? We need a filter, that much is true. But the filter is not a mirror. The filter is the lens of our Father's love and how much he cares for us. Hear the words in Scripture again of the enormity of our God's love. 1 John 4.19 says this, We love him because he first loved us. 1 John 3.16, By this we know the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Ephesians 3.14, Paul says this, I pray that you may have your roots and foundation in love so that you, together with all God's people, may have the power to grasp how broad and long, how high and deep is Christ's love. You know, there's a word in that passage I know that Pastor Mark loves. He brings it out every time it comes. That word in the Greek, dunamis, where we get our word dynamite from. Where Paul says that power to grasp I like that word especially today because it would take dynamite to blow up in our world and destroy this obsession that we have with our looks, with the mirror and what we see. It is so overarching everywhere we turn. You know, Hollywood portrays people in such a strange light, in such a surreal vision that the real person is seldom ever seen. I'm told that there was once a famous actress 
who had the makeup people for a scene she had to do, transform her from her beauty to being someone in their 60s. She was so afraid of ever being seen in that makeup off screen that if she ever had to leave the set, they said she would wear a veil so that no one would see her or ever equate that those wrinkles on her face might be hers. You know, I said before I did that experiment with the confirmation class on how we look at people and how we judge them by their looks and how we categorize them. Have you ever done that to somebody, judged someone based on their looks? I have. I remember it well. It was when Nate was a baby and we had to go to the Social Security office for something. I remember sitting there and watching people come in with children, families, some of them messy and some of them dirty and some of them unkept, and some of them smelled. And I remember thinking in my head, what lowlifes are here? Forgetting that I was somebody that was among that crowd. And I know that was wrong, but it really was just my knee-jerk reaction to judge somebody by the way they looked. You know, it didn't grip me then, but it did later when I heard a message by Pastor Bill Hybels of Willow Creek Community Church He said about a time that when he was a kid, how he had joined in with other kids to make fun of someone and how his dad gave him the following words to remember all his life. He says, I learned this. My father told me, Bill, you will never meet. You will never see. You will never come in contact with another person in this life that Jesus doesn't love and didn't die for. You know, that stayed with me when I heard those words. It stays with me still. Sometimes I still have that knee-jerk reaction to want to look at somebody and put them in a category or to judge them. And then those words come back to me. Jesus died for that person, loves that person. As much as you, not that you are loved more, how dare you categorize that which God has created? Do we look at people that way? Are we so obsessed with the mirror in our lives that all we can see is what it paints for us? Do we look at ourselves that way? As someone who is loved and cherished by our Heavenly Father, by the one who gave his life for us. You know, it takes having a sharp conscience to remember that wherever we go, that our inner self is aware of how we have been redeemed and how we are loved and how we are cherished by a God whose love is infinite. We sharpen that conscience by his word, by hearing what he has done for us, by viewing his sacrifice again and again, by remembering the words that Paul says later on in Ephesians when he says, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, we're obsessed with what we wear and how we look, but Paul challenges us to put on Jesus Christ, to see others through his eyes, through his compassion, through his heart, to see others and to see ourselves that way. 
May our true value be found in the one who gave up everything to redeem us. May we realize our worth in light of the one who created us. May we have our hope found in the one who loves us beyond all measure, who cherishes the way we were created, and who has redeemed us for a purpose to share that love in his world. Amen.